co-hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Jerome Powell, the 16th and current chair of the Federal Reserve, reiterated his stance on the U.S. economy last week, saying it was strong and he expected it to stay that way. He did say he was concerned about global growth and the trade uncertainties and that the Fed stands ready to, well, and I'll quote, act as appropriate to sustain the expansion. I don't know if I'd use the term strong, but I get it. Some of the numbers out recently have been pretty good. Housing starts and building permits just hit their best levels in 10 years. And the increase in industrial production last week was the largest gain in year over year. And oh, yeah, they cut interest rates by a quarter of percent. I'm not sure many people actually noticed all the news, like the trouble in the repo market and the China trade team returning home prematurely. All that took a backseat to the news that Iran attacked the Saudi oil infrastructure. Obviously, I don't know if they attacked them or not, but that seems to be the global consensus. So we'll go with it. I talked about this some last week, and I wanted to come back to it and expound on it a little bit more today. So we'll do that in just a few minutes. I also talked about the technicals of the market last week because we've seen some nice improvement on that front. Stock market breadth, that's the number of stocks that are participating, it continues to improve. I'm using the New York Stock Exchange composite, which is composed of more than 2,000 stocks, and it's currently challenging its July high. You can also see it in the S&P industry groups. That's been improving too. That measures about 100 industry groups, of which 65 are in uptrends now compared to just 45% last year. If this percentage gets to 75%, it would be an indication, and usually it's a strong indication, that the current rally is sustainable. And common sense would tell you that a rally is much stronger if all stocks are leading the charge rather than just a few of the high-profile names. All that sounds great from the technical side, right? More and more stocks are participating to the upside. And that's because money's been flowing into the market. As a matter of fact, investors have poured in more than $40 billion into the ETF so far this month. And with about a week to go, the flows this month are equivalent to what we saw at the January 2018 peak. We've gone from excessive pessimism towards excessive optimism. What that says to contrarian me is the money is running out. And we might need to take a little break here. Talk about hitting the brakes. Let's talk about CarMax, symbol KMX. They announced earnings today, and I haven't listened to the conference call because they just announced it. But my quick read of the numbers, CarMax seems to be firing on all cylinders. The analysts were expecting them to earn $1.33 for the quarter, and they came in at $1.40. $88 a share, where it's roughly trading now, that's about 16 times earnings. That's slightly below its five-year average. So it's not as cheap as it was, but I don't think it's expensive either. I like it. I own it. Symbol KMX. You know what does look cheap to me? 
is Johnson and Johnson, symbol J and J. I know, I know, nobody likes the drug companies, nobody likes the biotechs. Folks are worried about Medicare for all and Congress going after these companies on pricing, not to mention the lawsuits that Johnson and Johnson faces over talcum powder and opioids. So why in the world would I like J and J? It's pretty simple. It's a high quality business that's selling at a reasonable price. I think investors have priced in a lot of negative outcomes that could happen. J&J has a terrific balance sheet, a well-diversified business. They have the pharmaceuticals, which is about 50% of total revenue. They have the medical devices. And of course, they have their consumer products business too. And these businesses together, well, they generate a ton of free cash flow. If you're worried about the market, but know that you need to be invested for the long run, Johnson & Johnson is probably a stock for you. Of course, you have to do your own research, make sure that it's right for you. This is a defensive type name, and I think you should own some defensive type names. And right now, I think the market is giving you a deal. The analysts think Johnson & Johnson is going to earn about $9 next year. Next year isn't that far away. If that's the case, Johnson & Johnson is trading about Ah, 14, 15 times next year's earnings, which is cheaper than the market average. And while people are out there hating on J&J, you can own it and collect darn near a 3% dividend, which is pretty darn good when you compare it to, say, a bond. This is a core type stock that's at a reasonable price, one that you want to own for the long run. Let's get back to the oils here or else I'm going to run out of time. This ties in with owning some defensive names in the portfolio. As a value seeker, I think most of the names that I own have a defensive quality because when I buy them, I think I'm buying them for less than what they're worth. Anyhow, you know what happened. The Iranians attacked the Saudis and took out about five, six percent of the world's oil supply, took it offline for what's looking like an extended period of time. I think this is a wake up call. That's right. I think it's a wake-up call, or it should be a wake-up call for investors. I said last week that I wouldn't be shocked to see oil over $80 a barrel in the coming months. Now, let me be clear here. I don't think that'll be the case, but I think it's certainly a possibility with the geopolitical risk at hand. If that does happen, you're going to want to own some defensive-type names. The two worst teams in the NFL so far this year, the Redskins and the Dolphins, no defense. You get the idea. Those are my two favorite teams, though. If oil spikes, it could play, uh, put us in a very bad place. And that's because oil price shocks spell recession. To be exact, according to BCA research, since the mid-70s, a 91% year-over-year increase in oil prices is synonymous with recession. It's happened five times. Now, for us to hit that market or market, oil prices would have to go to $86 a barrel. Again, not likely, but very possible. Each of the five times that that's happened since the mid-70s, that's right, you guessed it, the market got crushed. Oil, uh, well, the energy stocks did okay, of course. So that's why I think folks should own some. Really, this supply disruption comes at an inopportune time for U.S. crude inventories because they've been depleted recently. On the on the demand side, it's been lackluster because of slowing global, global growth. 
but that seems to be picking up thanks to the emerging markets. What's also nice with a number of these companies is that you can get a paycheck. The S&P energy sector has the highest dividend yield when compared to the other sectors. Usually, when you see a high dividend yield, you wonder, hmm, something fishy here or is something cheap? Sometimes it's both. But anyway, the S&P energy sector as a whole looks cheap to me. The 28 companies combined in that sector are worth about what Microsoft is. That's right. 28 companies combined are worth about what uh, Microsoft is worth now. The technicals are horrible. The analysts are extremely pessimistic. It's so bad that to a contrarian like me, it looks good. I prefer the big integrated names like Chevron, symbol CVX, and ExxonMobil, symbol XOM. But there are other fine names out there too. If you're looking to up the risk a bit, maybe look at something like Occidental Occidental Petroleum, symbol OXY, around $45. If the name sounds familiar, it's because they recently acquired Anadarko Petroleum. And in doing so, they're taking on a significant amount of debt, but also a portfolio of extremely valuable assets that they should be able to monetize. Think about this for a second. Chevron offered $33 $33 billion to buy Anadarko. And that's when Oxy was trading at a market cap of about $50 billion. So today, Oxy owns both companies and Oxy trades at $40 billion market cap now. That's a little confusing, but what that means is that you get Anadarko and Occidental Petroleum, which the market th- thought was worth north of $70 billion for about $40 billion now. Oxy took on a lot of debt, as I said, to buy it, just as Chevron. Therefore, if Warren Buffett ends up happy about having warrants to buy Oxy, OXY, at $62.50 a share, well, we might end up happy in this name too. Again, a higher risk name to think about. And of course, you have to do your own research. Okay, we've run out of time. I'll be back next week. Until then, remember... It's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.